do you feel as though sometimes I feel like the reason why people don't go the herbal route because they feel like it's just too expensive? Yeah. And there was a big scandal about five years ago when uh, they started analyzing some of these, you know, herbal supplements you could buy on and they were like half sawdust and half bird feathers. Ooh. Yeah. And so that really, really made people not trust the, the herbal markets. Mm -hmm. And so being aware of that with the medicine man, I, I have trust issues because of mm -hmm. that, but also from years of working with manufacturers and, and chemical plants and all this stuff. So when the plants and mushrooms come in from the person you know harvesting or raising them, they are checked for fillers and heavy metals and pesticides and herbicides and bacterial contamination, all these sort of things. Each individual component is checked. After the blending process is done, before they're put in capsules, I have it checked again because there's always a chance of someone putting the wrong thing in there. I don't want that to happen because mm. just like, you know, it's like getting the wrong medication. You don't want that. So mm. check it again. And then after it's all encapsulated and bottled up, I send it out again because <laughs> mm. I don't trust anything where I'm not there doing it myself. Yeah. Our guest this week is Dr. Mark Merriweather. I'll make sure I'm saying this correctly. Warden Bruggen. Warden Bruggen. Yeah. No. <laughs> Vorderbruggen. Vorderbruggen. Dr. Yeah. Mark Merriweather Vorderbruggen, a.k.a. the preacher of cavemanosity. He is the founder of Medicine Man Plant Co., a company specializing in products based on herbal medicine. The founders believe that humans have evolved with plants and pre-programmed to respond to medicinal plants. He believes that the goal of the medicine man is to heal the tribe. So Dr. Mark Mary, I'm going to make sure I'm, I don't get tongue-tied here. I think Merriweather. Let's think, just go with Merriweather. Dr. <laughs> Merriweather is the author of Foraging Over 30 Tasty Recipes to Turn Your Forage Finds into Feasts, Idiot's Guide. Because society has moved away from conventional methods of nutrition. So, he says, enthusiastically, go caveman. <laughs> yep, most definitely. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad to have you My on. pleasure. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And uh, so, what does it mean to be... Uh, the caveman, <laughs> what is, what is cavemanosity? What is that? Okay. Trying to convince people that they need to include in their, their lives, the sort of things that we evolved doing 30,000 years ago, 60,000 years ago, because that's what our bodies think the world still is. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Yeah. And if I can jump in, let me give you an example. Okay. Look at your floor. It's okay. flat, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Why is it flat? It's more convenient to walk on. You, yeah. can, you don't have to think about it. You can haul mm -hmm. things, all this sort of stuff. Great. That sounds like a good thing. Correct. Uh huh. Uh huh. But what would, what did we lose by making our floors flat? My feet are flat now. <laughs> That's probably the <laughs> shoes. But one of the things so just we're jumping right in here, my friend. Oh, yeah. Do so, it. So so 
walking on uneven ground is how we evolved. Slippery, trippy sort of, of ground. It takes a lot of brain power to maneuver a two-legged creature over uneven ground. Yeah. We are constantly having to adjust our balance and all this sort of thing going. The mm-hmm. end result is our brains were designed and evolved to be constantly analyzing the surface we're walking on and then adjusting our core muscles to keep our body upright. The effects of this is it stimulated and exercised our brain and stimulated and exercised our core muscles, mm-hmm. which are core for health. Right. Now, when we're walking on a flat surface, our brain is not getting the stimulation it mm-hmm. is designed to get. So that's where a lot of issues come up with attention deficit disorder and that sort of thing. Oh, wow. the, the brain is like pacing. It's going, you know, I'm starving here. Give me input. Mm-hmm. And you're going, I'm happy walking on the flat ground. Where this really comes into play as as you age, they've shown the more time people spend on uneven grounds in their youth and, you know, middle age and up until uh, old age, the less chance they have of developing Alzheimer's and dementia. Wow. Because like any other muscle, the more exercise it's getting, Uh the better it is. And that counts for the brain just as much as biceps or gluteus maximus or whatever muscle you want to flex. So Mm. by just stimulating the brain, by walking on uneven ground, the way we evolved, Mm -hmm. it's just, that alone does amazingly good things for our health. Right. So cavemanosity is just basically a way of saying, go for a, go for a walk outside, you know, yeah. on the grass. There we go. Yeah, End of show. I get no. <laughs> you know, because I, I mean, I, I feel different when I, when I walk barefooted on the ground, you know, I feel it, it there's a, it's, it's a, 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 some kind of connection that I get. My, I, I feel different. My spine even feels different when I walk on the ground on, on, in, which is an even, uneven surface. And, you know, yeah, I like to tell people, remember your feet walking on the ground is the most direct connection to the universe you will ever have. Yeah. That's where you're going to feel most in touch with the universe, unless you're laying mm-hmm. on your back on the ground, but, but you're not getting anywhere, but yeah. for a day-to-day activity. Yeah. Sometime barefoot yeah. just makes you connected to things like you've just yeah. said. Yeah. I love walking on the beach. Um, and my, my, my feet just in the sand is, it, it just, it makes me feel connected, you mm-hmm. know? So what is your background? Because, um, you know, I know that you are really smart. <laughs> I know that. Before. Okay. I, I guess we can, we can get the bragging part out of the yeah, way. Yeah. 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 So, uh, education wise, Uh, I spent way too long in school. I ended up Mm -hmm. with a master's in medicinal chemistry, a PhD in physical organic chemistry. So not making molecules, but taking the molecules other people created, stealing them and figuring out a way to use them to solve some problem that has been presented to me. Mm -hmm. And in particular, I specialize in natural products and the chemistry that plants make. Yeah. And yeah. that led to all sorts of really weird doors opening to me mm-hmm. from you know, the NASA. petroleum industry to NASA to being a, a herbalist is when it yeah. all came back. That's where I felt I could do the most direct help is just mm-hmm. reacquainting people with the miracles around them. So how did your work with NASA turn you into the space farmer? <laughs> okay, let's talk about that. Because being a space farmer is problematic. What okay. I'm trying to do is switch NASA over to be space foragers. Okay. So let me talk about that. So 
Let's start with domesticated plants. Domesticated plants, they made a deal with us that if we take care of most of their needs, they will supply us with food and maybe pretty flowers. And if you plant a garden and just sit back, it will be destroyed by the wild plants that come in and take over and bully them and kick them out. Mm-hmm. So as NASA has tried to grow domesticated plants in space, they've run into several problems. Uh, some due to the astronauts, some due to the physics of what's going on in space. We could go in as deep as you'd like on this, but mm-hmm. just a, a couple of things that come into play. One, the carbon dioxide levels, say, on the International Space Station. Now, here on Earth, the, carbon, the amount of carbon dioxide in the air, which is necessary for plants and us and everything, is around 400 parts per million. So for mm-hmm. every million air molecules, 400 of them are carbon dioxide. This has okay. grown from around 300 parts per million 150 years ago, hence all the global warming concerns. And the International Space Station and spacecraft in general, the maximum allowed limit is 7,000 parts mm-hmm. per million. So much, 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 much bigger number. The usual concentration is more around 1,500 parts per thousand. The mm-hmm. issue with that well, normally when you think carbon dioxide, plants like carbon dioxide, they're going to yeah. take it. Yeah, yeah that, that's the logic. The problem is it's too much. It's, it's too like much. hooking a fire hose to you and saying, okay, time to yeah. get a drink of water. Right. And they people, basically choke on it. Most people probably want to ask, there are plants in space? <laughs> that's the question. <laughs> that, that's what we, yeah. And so they're in little 18 by 18 by 24 inch chambers. Uh, that the science or the, the astronauts, you know, take care of. Now, so they're choking on the CO2. On the astronaut side, these chambers that I just described, the 18 by 18 by 24 inch growth robots really are designed to give the plants the right amount of light, mm-hmm. automatically give them the right amount of water mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. So the astronauts, theoretically, we're not supposed to do anything, but just harvest the plants when they're ready you know maybe check on it measure you know make sure everything's working so the plants are inside of a inside of the the um what's it called the The international uh, space station okay so so they're inside of there as an experiment to see can these plants grow in outer space correct yeah so they are subjected to the same atmosphere that the astronauts have you know think of it like an aquarium you know but open on the side with all the automatic watering things and all that in there. Uh-huh. So it's think like robot gardeners, a little thing comes out, waters the plants, mm-hmm. the lights changes a day and so forth. And so it was supposed to be completely automatic. And mm-hmm. the astronauts like would just, you know, check it every two, three days, make sure everything's working right. It didn't work out that way. Uh, Even in these little chambers, scientifically designed to be optimal for the the plants, there are other things they just didn't take into account, and it's causing problems with the plants. What ended up is then the astronauts ended up to have to spend a lot of time tending the plants. uh And one of the issues with this good and bad, both depending on your point of view, is the astronauts really enjoyed playing with the plants, farming the plants, Uh, It made them feel psychologically better. Okay. But it was taking up too much of their time. So other important things wasn't getting done. Mm. And uh, the main problem was the plants, these, the, the domesticated plants they were using are too delicate. Okay. They just aren't designed for, 
Yeah, even space. in a controlled yeah, the space, you know, the, yeah. the 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 particular conditions. There's all sorts of really weird physiological things that happen to plants when they're not subjected to gravity that we don't have time to talk about. But uh-huh. they they don't like it. It's too yeah. much carbon dioxide. It's just too damn weird for them, basically. And they go, right. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I'm out of here. <laughs> you yeah. Know, and, yeah. And they die. And so they've been somewhat successful. And, you know, one thing you got to know, whenever you have a science project, you're always successful. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of the words you use to describe it. Right, 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 right. So my thought, and when I finally got into NASA, was saying, well, why not some of these wild edible plants? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, the things we grew up as sensitive, the things that grow as weeds mm-hmm. in the Houston, Texas sidewalk out of the cracks, you know, things uh-huh. like that, or even New York City, things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and so finally, just this last summer, we finally got some test subjects going on that. And I have a, a wild onion now, mow the moon onion, <laughs> which is <laughs> about onion. eight inches tall. Yeah, it's a wild <laughs> wow. onion. Okay. Yeah, but it's growing in some simulated uh, lunar soil. And mm-hmm. he's loving it. He's yeah. loving it. Okay. I'm stressing him and you know hitting other stuff, but he so far he's been doing all right. Okay, so so I'm, I'm assuming, so one day when we're living in space, you're a part of that team who made it possible <laughs> for us to have Hopefully. tomatoes and potatoes and onions. Uh, ah, <laughs> those are domesticated. They've tried those. Those don't work so well. So it's mm. going to be more like amaranth and wild violet and wild onions and purslane. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Bittercress, things like that. Equally uh, nutritious, equally tasty, just not mm-hmm. as well known. Yeah. But yeah. Well, very, very durable. I haven't had a wow, not that I know of, had a wow onion yet, but maybe I need to start getting familiar with that because <laughs> who knows? Well, actually, in your area, uh, Steve Brill, wild man Steve Brill, has been teaching foraging classes uh, in New York City for mm-hmm. decades. So, so what, so, for people who are not familiar with the word foraging, what does that mean? It means acquiring your food, medicine, clothing, resources, raw materials, food and raw materials, let's say, from the wild, from mm-hmm. naturally supplied things, not something someone grew purposely, mm-hmm. not something someone manufactured purposely. It is mm-hmm. basically acquiring your food and medicine the way most of mankind has for our history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The way cavemen did, right? Exactly. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. Well, you know, I think that that um that it is different because I'm used to going down to the Walmart and getting my food. <laughs> I didn't have to forage for it, but I can see how um society has definitely moved away from you know how we did things back in the day, and we've mm-hmm. moved into a more you know. I mean, it's easier. I think it's easier, but we've lost something. Um, being that we can just go down to the supermarket and get uh, uh, our dinner and a, a good chair to sit in and <laughs> yeah, and all the calories we could possibly want. <laughs> yeah, you know. And so why has society, especially in the West, have bought so wholeheartedly into modern medicine? If you are trying to take care of a huge number of people. You're right. Mass production is the way, whether it be anything, really. I mm-hmm, mean, mm-hmm. if you look around in your life, how much of your life is handcrafted? Right. Very little because it's time consuming. It's resource intensive. It's skill intensive, you know. And so the ability to 
create molecules that have some effect on the human body and have science behind it and make it predictable mm-hmm. uh, just took off and said, this is great. And mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the things, you know, cars replacing horses yeah, and that sort of thing, you know, the, the, what is it? The veggie burger now replacing an actual chunk of ground beef. The impossible, <laughs> the impossible yeah. burger. Yeah. Like like bad news, right? <laughs> oh, if you're a chemist, it's great news. Cause okay. you, yeah, but you know, it's right up there with a Twinkie. I'm still going to get sued. Just kidding. It's not a Twinkie. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So Yeah. If you are supplying medicine for a massive number of people, Mm -hmm. mass production is the way to do it. And plants Mm -hmm. only go so far in mass production. Mm -hmm. We sort of turned away from, um, you know, looking at herbal remedies Mm -hmm. from from the past that did work. But I just feel as though some of the medication that's out there are somewhat like placebos in a way. And they don't necessarily do what they supposed to do. We do. We have more cancer than we ever have had. Um, more diseases probably than we ever have had. But it just doesn't feel like okay. If we got so much medicine now, why are we having more situations of um, where we see the failings of um, of medicine? I, I'm going to uh, go back to one thing you said about there okay. being more diseases now than there were in the past. I'm going to okay. disagree with you on that. Okay. Uh, very few people up until a year and a half ago died of a disease, okay. unless it was like heart disease or okay. diabetes, not a bacterial or viral infection. It was still possible, uh-huh. but uh, really uh, the invention of soap went a long way towards healing people too. Yeah, and penicillin, <laughs> right? Well, penicillin, <laughs> yeah, that's an antibiotic, but there are natural penicillins, or natural mm. products. I mean, penicillin, the molecule came from mold. Right. But mm-hmm. at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, we co-evolved with these plants going to mm-hmm. evolution, survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. Those that responded best to the plant medicines passed those genes on. Mm-hmm. And so over and over and over. So it ended up us being predisposed to respond properly to plant medicines, regardless mm-hmm. of other side effects there. I, I, I benefit, of course, from, from medication, you know, thank right. God for, for, yeah. for, for our scientists um, mm-hmm. and creating, you know, medicine. And, but I, I have benefited also from herbal remedies as well. Right. But when I offer people herbal remedies, they were like, nah, I think I'll stick with what my doctor has prescribed for me to go down to the pharmacy and get my yeah. prescription. And, and that goes back to science is trusted over nature. Hmm. If you want to see something really interesting, uh, watch a young adult Gen Z in the woods for the first time. Hmm. They're terrified of everything. Every plant is poison ivy. Every snake is a rattlesnake. Every <laughs> spider is a venomous spider. Hmm. It's it's horribly depressing. Not mm-hmm. all of them, you know. There's a bell curve here, but mm-hmm. in the sense, mm-hmm. there's a lot of them. They don't understand nature, and the little bits they do get of nature is usually from, like you know, bad movies. You know, what was it? The one, a hundred different ways to die in the West or something. And they, <laughs> they hear the snake oil salesman. Yeah. Think about this: if you are a drug company mm-hmm. with lots of money, 
and you want to retain your customers, what do you do? You hire people to say, yeah, those nature stuff, that's crap. Yeah. Plants don't have any power. Mm hmm. As you know, they suck down the coffee and smoke weed or whatever. Because you know, yeah, <laughs> okay, those two have nothing else. Yeah, uh -huh, uh -huh. but no, it's not true, and it, it's just uh, people have been misled. Mm -hmm. It's so it's what it boils Martin. down to. So you know, there's there's a lot of misdirection and a lot of people telling you things, and and I, I hope people will approach my stuff with some skepticism. If you go to the Medicine Man Plant Go page, mm -hmm. uh, each of the products, I have the, the scientific studies that showed, yes, this plant has been found to do this. Yeah. Because I, being a scientist and an herbalist, when I'm telling people you should take this, it's because as a scientist, I know it works. Right. Not just as an herbalist. So. Yeah. And that's amazing to me because, you know, I, I, you don't, you know, here, I mean, I, you're the first um, person I've met that is a scientist and an herbalist simultaneously, but you don't get to to hear about that very often. So you're very different. You're unique because you're looking at um, herbal herbal remedies, I guess you can you can say from a scientific perspective. Correct. So I think that is unique. Very much so. Um, I, I love my fellow herbalists. But mm -hmm. there are a lot of crunchies out there and, you know, waving crystals three times around it. And, that sort of thing. Like, and here's the thing. I'm not going to laugh at that. Uh, well, I'll, OK, maybe quietly inside. <laughs> but there's some really interesting scientific research that show incorporating rituals mm -hmm. into your daily habits has all sorts mm -hmm. of benefits, too. Yeah. Uh, especially during the taking of, say, medications. Mm -hmm. It like somehow going back to the placebo effect you mentioned, it somehow primes the body. The brain is a very powerful force oh, yeah. in your body and yeah. it just primes it and gets it ready to go. Okay. It's time for this. Let's do this. Uh -huh. So there's scientific reasons for being crunchy. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. But I'm the only one that scientific that yeah, there's a few out there. Uh, mm -hmm. Teller Fuller. Uh, amazing Blue Winds uh, School of Herbal Medicine, deep into the science. Uh, mm -hmm. Charles W. Kane, deep into the science. Um, beyond that, Sam Thayer, deep into the science. But most of them don't have the ego that I do that puts me out on podcasts <laughs> and stuff like this. So. Well, I'm glad. So there are some out there, and we really rely on each other because we can't research everything, obviously. Right, right. So um, one thing that I, I have learned is that, you know, sometimes to get, you know, the, the best vitamins, you know, that, you know, there's the cheap vitamins, there's expensive vitamins, there are, um, you know, cheap herbs, there are the, the you know, the uh, better herbs. So, you know, do you feel as though sometimes I feel like the reason why people don't go the herbal route, could they feel like it's just too expensive? Yeah. And there was a big scandal about five years ago when uh, they started analyzing some of these, you know, herbal supplements you could buy on, and they were like half sawdust and half bird feathers. Ooh. Yeah, and so that really, really made people not trust the the herbal markets. Mm -hmm. And so, being aware of that with the medicine man, I, I have trust issues <laughs> because of mm -hmm. that, but also from years of working with 
manufacturers and, and chemical plants and all this stuff. So when the plants and mushrooms come in from the person you know, harvesting or raising them, they are checked for fillers and heavy metals and pesticides and herbicides and bacterial contamination, all these sort of things. Each individual component is checked. After the blending process is done, before they're put in capsules, I have it checked again because there's always a chance of someone putting the wrong thing in there. I don't want that to happen because mm. just like, you know, it's like getting the wrong medication. You don't want that. So mm. check it again. And then after it's all encapsulated and bottled up, I send it out again because <laughs> mm. I don't trust anything where I'm not there doing it myself. Yeah. And so that's that's the big thing. Uh, but that mm-hmm. costs money. That raises uh, the cost of it. Yeah. Because, so, you know, one thing that I heard you say in uh, another uh, interview was that um, herbs is the medicine for the elite, you know, and I'm like, OK, I never thought of that before, you know, but I, I but I saw the when you really want good herbs or, or good vitamins, they come with a, a heavier price. The ones that actually mm-hmm. the ones that you just described. Yeah. Either you are growing them yourself or, you know, paying your gardener to grow them for yourself where you have complete control over the thing. Or I will tell you right now, if you go on Amazon and look at a bunch of different herbal products mm-hmm. and start comparing their, their recipes, you will see mm-hmm. the exact same amount of all these different herbs. Mm-hmm. Then you hop over to Alibaba. Okay. The big thing there and yeah, put in, yeah, put in like kidney stone medication and you will get all these companies that make this stuff with this exact formula and they will slap whatever label you want on it yeah. for you. And you just get it. You don't run any quality control and you sell it, you know, wherever. Right. So that's a big issue. Yeah. Think of it this way. Do you want the $5 airbag install, installed in your car or do you want the $50 airbag? <laughs> I'll take the $50. I'll take the $50 uh, yeah, yeah. airbag, right. You yeah. know, so I, I, I totally get that. But do you think that in the, how where modern society is now, do you think that we rely too much on um, medicine? Um, you think that it's become a crutch? Um I, mean, I can even see how urban herbal medicine could become a crutch. Yeah. Uh, the way I'll describe it is the herbal medicine is a crutch. The mass produced medicine is a couch. Oh. And let me explain. So a crutch is something you use until you get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is this there to support your body until like with herbal medicines? My goal is not that you take these every day for the rest of your life. I want you to use them until you can get to a place where through lifestyle changes, you can take care of a lot of the issues that way. Mm-hmm. But with mass produced medicine, it's like, here, take this pill. You don't have to change your lifestyle. Just keep taking this pill. So you can just sit on the couch all day long, you know, watching your TV, playing your video games, watching TikTok videos. Hopefully you're doing something useful with your time, like listening to DJ at what's up. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's the, the couch thing is, is you don't change your lifestyle. You just sit on the couch day after Mm -hmm. day after day. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with the, 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 basically the modern medicinal thing is a doctor say, yeah, maybe you should lose some weight, but here's a pill. Here's a pill. Here's a pill. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to work with you to 
change your lifestyle, mm. you know, help you get on a, a good sleep schedule and, you know, teach you to breathe properly, deep breaths, mm-hmm. hold it, release, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell you to go walk barefoot out in the grass. Mm. So. Because one thing about you in, in cavemanosity is that it's not just about teaching people to eat better, live better. It's, um, and, and it's not just about, about herbal medicine. It's, it's right. also about changing your lifestyle and your mindset as well. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And step one is take more steps outside. Yeah. Even better than a treadmill. Get outside. There are so many other benefits from being out in nature, like on attention mm-hmm. deficit disorder. They've shown if you get a kid out in nature for about 30 minutes or 40 minutes, three times a week, the symptoms or the effects of the attention deficit disorder are drastically reduced because they're out, Mm -hmm. they're running around, they're picking up sticks, their fingers are doing stuff. Their ears are listening to things. Their nose is smelling the thing. They're getting all Mm -hmm. this input that the brain we talked about just walking on, you know, barefoot on uneven ground is just the first basic nibble that the brain needs. It needs all these other things too, to truly Mm -hmm. give it the exercise. It was designed to, to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So by giving it that input, all these, you're using all your senses, you're using every part of your brain. It goes, I am full. I can relax. You know, it's like you just finished mm-hmm. Thanksgiving dinner and you are now laying on the couch. Yeah. Your brain is going, I got what I want. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. No need to start pacing and, 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 you know, messing around with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that a lot of times, unfortunately that, you know, we, People don't believe in herbal medicine until all other means have not worked. <laughs> it's like yep. people turn to herbal medicine as a last result when it's too late. You know, how, what is your feelings towards that? Okay, so like Stephen Jobs is a good example. Actually, Stephen Jobs is kind of the opposite example. So when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, he went to a bunch of different holistic sort of things and completely ignored the modern treatments for mm. pancreatic cancer. And he ended up dying of pancreatic cancer. Mm. Here's the thing, going back to the caveman thing and the, the herbal diet and so forth, I've already been saying, yeah, it's a crutch, it's a crutch. We want to get you off it. You know what? There are certain foods that you want to have every day that drastically reduce your chances of cancers. Mm-hmm. So how does this? Once it's hit, mm-hmm. you, you may as well just go to, uh, well, you're still better off using the herbal medicine. Definitely mm-hmm. not. Most cases. Pancreatic cancer, if he had done the right ones, maybe. But the uh, lifestyle. You mm-hmm. need to have more of these fresh greens and and liver and you know animal products. You need to go back to the diet that mm-hmm. mankind evolved in, giving us the nutrients. Like if you look... You know, the USDA has the daily recommended of like 14 different vitamins and minerals. Okay. Okay. If you have that, you know, a pill with those amounts and those things in there, you're not going to be healthy. There's Mm. all these other things we don't know that we need. They haven't been analyzed yet. So you you give them the pill with these, you know, recommended daily allowances of vitamins and minerals and, you know, some bacon fat. 
<laughs> okay. Theoretically, you have the calories and <laughs> bacon fat. Yeah. You have the calories and the nutrients that you supposedly need to mm-hmm. live your life. Okay. You are going to be a wreck healthy, you know, because you are mm-hmm. not going to serve it, not because of the bacon fat, but because you are not getting all the, all the nutrients, other things minerals. that your body needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get fixated on when, you know, I remember back in the day, you know, they would just say that, you you know, vitamin D is important. Drink milk, you know, have Mm -hmm. an egg, you know, aspirin, you know, these apple a day. And and um, I remember a joke back on this TV show. I've got the name of it, but it was was TV show was I think empty, empty nest. I think it was. Mm -hmm. And and he and he was saying that, you know, the doctor was showing him he was a doctor. He was showing one of his um, one of his. one of his, I was not clients, but one of his patients, uh, the chart, you know, the, you know, the four, food from oh, all four food groups. Huh. And he was saying, you know, this is what we taught, you know, during the the fifties and sixties. He said, now, you know, in, in nineteen ninety, I think that was, you know, this is a death chart, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But you know, we we we, we tend to look at what si- you know what's what science, science tells us that. <laughs> Trust me, I'm a scientist, yeah. and we do all of that, yeah. and then they go, well, wait a second, you know, this mm-hmm. isn't right. This is something, you know. There, there's more yeah. to it, you know? Yep. So, and, and just to go sideways for a second, uh, uh-huh. I don't know if you've been paying attention. It sounds like you pay attention to nutrition and that sort of thing. So cool. Kind of, yeah. uh, and, oh man, was, within the last 10 years, they redid the food pyramid, the serving sizes of like how much leafy greens do you need and how much fruits do you need and that sort of thing. They increased them. Mm-hmm. Not because they decided the human body needs more of these things, these nutrients in these leafy greens and so forth, but at the mass produced farms where they're grown, where they've been growing spinach and broccoli in these same fields for, you know, since World War II, they analyze the nutrient level in the Ooh. plants every so few years. And they've realized over time, the, the nutrient value of these plants has dropped because the soil has been de-drained of whatever critical unknown compounds they need to, to, to increase the overall health and nutritional value of the plant. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, right now they're spraying nitrogen and phosphorus, you know, the fertilizer on it. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other things that the plants needed for proper health that they're not getting because they were doing the same thing for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Same with us. Yeah. That's why the more natural foods you are in taking plants, veggies, mushrooms, squirrels, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all what our body evolved taking from the environment. Mm-hmm. If you like, you know, vitamin C humans cannot make our own vitamin C. Mm. It's a critical nutrient. We need to have it every day. We cannot make it. We cannot store it. That's why, you know, the vitamin C, everyone pops their vitamin C tablets because generally the, the, the diet isn't enough. Wow. The humans are one of the few animals that actually cannot produce vitamin C. Even close primate relatives and so forth are able to do it. It's just something the humans don't have. Wow. Now, a lot of plants produce vitamin C. In plants, the vitamin C, one of its main uses is a natural sunblock. When the plants are out in the sun, they're getting lots of light that light can damage the plant. So they develop vitamin C to take care of that. Well, the humans, the human body is amazing in efficiency. I don't think there's anything close to our efficiency in a lot of things. And one of the things, if, if we don't have to make something, why would we spend the internal energy 
to make it when it's so readily available elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, if you think about vestigial vestigial organs, the appendix, you know, we we don't need the appendix anymore. So it's been shriveling around, and now it's just this little, you know, empty cul-de-sac in our in our body. So mm-hmm. the fact that we can get vitamin C from the environment, rich source, great. Our body doesn't make it anymore. What else has it decided? Oh, there's so much of it around here that I don't need to make that. I can just get it for my food that is no longer available in a you know microwavable burrito. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, factory made. It was made from plants and meat like materials and stuff. Mm-hmm. But how much of the the original stuff is still in there that we need? So yeah, yeah. You know, that's important to know, you know, because, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know what my, my, what my body makes on its own. You know, I just know, and I went to the doctor a few months ago and he said that I was vitamin D deficient. And I thought like, well, I'm, I'm, I got a window and I'm, I'm, I'm getting all this sunlight in and I'm still vitamin D, you know, so it's, it's just interesting to me that, you know, that then I went out and bought, you know, probably not the best vitamins, but I went on to Walmart, uh, yeah. maybe upgrade on my vitamins, you know, and get the better, mm-hmm. the better vitamins and got the vitamin D that I, mm-hmm. that I, um, that I felt that I wasn't getting. So let's you know yeah. that vitamin C is something that, that your body doesn't make at all. And right. that you need to actually eat something that is high in vitamin C in order mm-hmm. to get that, or are you going to have some problems? Exactly. Yeah. And the vitamin D. Yeah, that's a big problem because it's uh, crucial for the immune system. A lot of people are vitamin D deficient. Mm -hmm. You know, normally you think the best way, yeah, go outside and get sunlight and your skin makes vitamin D. That's Mm -hmm. great. When they said no one can go outside, no go to playgrounds, no go to beaches. You got to stay inside with the COVID. It's like, what are you doing? You are crippling people's immune systems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that that, you know, this is good advice for people who are listening because um, it's it's just so important that they know that. I mean, I think I I have nothing against modern medicine, but I do see the limitations in it. And like I said, I've always have taken herbs, even, you know, when people were going into GNC going, what is that? (laughs) I was like, you know, wow, this is really interesting. You know, I always thought herbs were very interesting. But I'm glad that people are now sort of moving back to that mentality mm-hmm. of that maybe this modern medicine thing can't solve all our problems, yeah. you know. And, and I think go ahead. Oh, especially what I call lifestyle issues. Going back to the whole caveman body in modern world, uh, one of the big issues is uh, overweight. Just eating too many calories. Yeah. We evolved in a calorie deficient environment. And so we ended up being hardwired where if we encounter something rich in calories, it triggers signals in our brains that say, this thing, eat as much of it as you can Mm -hmm. because you don't know when you're getting it again and you need it. Yeah. And so now, I mean, uh, you can buy a, a thousand, uh, calorie candy bar, you know, mm-hmm. anywhere you want to go. And, or, I, but, and, and some people, you know, get frustrated by that, that, you know, like it's so easy to gain weight and so hard to lose it. But imagine if you had though, if you was, you know, in some third world country who would still have a, um, you know, they're still living mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, I wouldn't say cavemans live, but they're still living in a way yeah. that we lived, you know, centuries ago, right. you know, even farther than that. 
and uh, I mean, like a tribe or something in Africa, then you're eating, you know, that lion that you chased down. <laughs> yeah. You know, before it spoils, you're going to try, spoils, you're gonna try yeah. to eat it all up. And then mm-hmm. hopefully that you, you your body's going to retain that yeah. enough so that because you don't know next time that you're going to eat. And that's the reason why our bodies are constructed that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we live in a world, in a, you know, this modern world that we live in here in the West. We can go down to the store. You know, mine is just five minutes away from my house yeah. where I can get eaten, 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 eat. And then mm-hmm. wondering why the weight is not going anywhere because your body's like, I don't know when you are going to eat next because I'm no. still programmed mm-hmm. the way that those individuals are programmed who live out in yep. You know, a tribe or somewhere in yeah. the boonies somewhere. Yeah, to your body, fat is a great thing mm-hmm. to the point where it gets too much of a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then you start having all the health issues because, right. as far as the, the body is concerned, it wants that mm-hmm. to a point, even when it's beyond what's good for it. So I know that you offer classes and products to get people's health back on track. Or if you already, uh, I hate that word health nut. I hate, <laughs> I hate that, but it's a, it's an easy word to say, you know, I know what, what you're talking about, but how do those, so how do you, how do your classes, um, can get people back on the right track or suffice for those individuals who are looking for healthy remedies? Cause that's what they're into. Okay, great question. So most of my classes uh, out in the wild will be like a four-hour plant walkabout. Oh, wow. So, at, oh, so hold on. So, so the classes are actually outdoors? Oh, yeah. Oh, so wow. we're out in the woods, in the wild. Yeah. And we'll start, okay, right here. And we, I will you know, show them a plant, show them how to identify a plant, show them you know, what its food uses are, how I incorporate it into my diet, the tricks to make it taste good or bad, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then any scientifically proven medicinal values, and then also what traditional herbalists and you know, say like the Native American medicine men, or you know, a lot of the weeds are now non-native to North America. They came from India. They came from Africa. They came from China. They came from Europe. Mm-hmm. What those herbalists, those medicine men's and, and men and women in those parts of the country or the world use these plants for too. So I give them mm-hmm. the full spiel, and you know the chemistry and even historical interest and you know all the different stuff. But mainly the goal. A lot of people who take the classes, they want to learn to forage. They want to find the food and the medicine on their own. They've dabbled a little, they've seen some YouTube videos or something like that, Mm -hmm. but they don't quite have the confidence yet to trust themselves. Mm -hmm. And so really I found my goal is to help them build up that trust in themselves on how to properly identify the mushroom, properly identify the, the plant so that when they're off without me, they go, okay, I know what I need to look at. I can figure this out. I can do this. And away they go. And, and, and it's amazing watching the trepidation at the beginning and mm. the thrill at the end that they finally are starting to reel. Cause they know it's like, everyone seems to instinctively know there's all this food and medicine around them. They just mm-hmm. don't know which, which wh- is which. What? Yeah. And so it's like, it's, it's amazing. The, when I started this, I, I I'd just been doing it for friends uh, back in 2004, 2005, and the Houston Arboretum, the big, you know, kind of the central park of, of Houston, found out about me, 
contact me and say, hey, would you mind teaching a class on wild edible plants? And, mm-hmm. you know, and say, yeah, okay, I'll come down and do it. And so that was in the fall of 2004, uh, taught a class. And then the February of the next year, 2005, taught a class and then ended up teaching class just about every month up until COVID hit <laughs> because mm-hmm. there was just a, such a demand. People wanted to know this. Mm-hmm. And I teach all over Texas. I do the, the in-person classes all over Texas, Dallas, Austin, Wimberley, you know, everywhere. It's mm-hmm. a big state. Uh, but then I also do Zoom presentations. Uh, yeah, let's see. I'm, I'm, if you go to the Medicine Man Plant Co., there's actually a list of upcoming classes, both mm-hmm. the online presentation. And I'll, like and I'll this. leave those links down in oh, the show you. description so that yeah. they can definitely find out more about those uh, classes and workshops. Yeah. But while I'm out in the wild, I'm also, you know, as we walk from plant to plant, slipping in this thing about the being on uneven ground and the health benefits of that, walking barefoot. The benefits of that mm-hmm. listening hearing smelling feeling tasting you know all this thing, interacting with your environment throwing things at stuff mm-hmm. humans are amazing the benefits we get just from throwing things at stuff for both the mm-hmm. brain and the body is really good and there's yeah. a great book called the throwing madonna mm-hmm. which basically says one of the things that makes humans so amazing is we can throw things at stuff accurately and quickly enough to well, basically kill something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's not something any other creature really has, but wow. the, the, the mechanics and so forth. I tell people, if you're, let's say you're 75 years old, you're, you're not feeling like you want to go out in the woods anymore. Okay. Learn to juggle, mm. get three bean, bean bags and you start with one bean bag and throw it back mm-hmm. and forth. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you'll be juggling. You are working out your brain. You are working out your muscles. I'll tell you, you juggle for five, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tiring, but you work way yeah. up to it. But that's yeah. that's bringing back the caveman movements, doing the, mm-hmm. the sort of things that no one does anymore. You know, basically, mm-hmm. we use our thumbs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. that's 90% yeah. of our body's <laughs> movements is located here. Not the whole, yeah. not juggling and balancing and grabbing, you know. I'm at the beach, you know. I don't I don't know why I do this, but if I see a seashell on on, on the, I I want to just throw it back into the ocean. Like why yes. am I doing this? But it because just, like, you're hardwired, your brain is saying, "I want to do this." You can't mm-hmm. walk in the woods without picking up a stick because the brain is going, "Hmm, resource." Uh, yeah, it's a you know fire weapon, uh, you know mm-hmm, tooth. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it's it's hardwired into us to do these actions because. Uh-huh. Being able to do them benefited our ancestors. Yeah. And now in the modern life, we're not doing any doing of that. It. Right. Yes. And it's good for the lymphatic system, you know, because. Oh, hell yeah. You know, you know, just that throwing is just moving all those chemicals around yeah. in your system that need to. Yeah. You know, if you're do- doing it right, it's a whole body. I mean, from toes down to, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, it's not curling, you know, where you got your arms going. That's, uh, I mean, the whole purpose of going to the gym and working out and lifting weights is to make your body think it's dragging a deer back to camp. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the life, but if you look at like the bone density of the skeletons that we found, they're they're huge. They're solid. They're just very strong. They can also measure uh, or get a a good estimate of muscle strength by the size of the scar. Yeah. So the, the muscles are attached to the bones through tendons. That leaves a little scar. The larger the scar, the larger the muscle, the more force it was, you know, 
putting on the bone. Mm-hmm. And so it needed a bigger contact area. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's like four times, you know, homo sapiens were, were so still the cavemen, just, they just, you could, they were just, you know, more denser, more solid, uh, beings mm-hmm. than, you know, our little, you know, Consider you know bodies yeah. now. I know, for, I guess for the Mike Tyson's of the world, and uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they were working in the gym all day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you look at the core muscle strength and grip strength, those are two really good indicators of overall health. Okay, because one of the things they indicate is how much are you moving, and how much are you really manipulating? How many heavy weights are you moving from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. So not even just weightlifting, because there's a more dynamic thing when you are mm. carrying a deer you know, mm-hmm. out of the woods. It's not like carrying a nice dumbbell where, you know, the weights are balanced and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yes, and you need the unevenness and you're and, on uneven ground. Yeah. So because yeah. one thing that I learned when I was working out and I need to do it more, but um, was it not about how heavy you're picking up something. It's about how long that you sort of tense your muscles and really got into the muscles and how long you held it. That was more important than all the repetitions you could do. So that was important to me. Not about how big you are. It was about um, some how solid the mm-hmm. muscle was. Yep. You know? That's why actually planking is really good exercise because it is amazingly hard on your uh-huh. core muscles. Your and, core. Really good. and it's it's not repetitions. It's just, you know. It's like mm-hmm. a battle. You're just there, you know, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. big clench. So what can we do? So if I was to go to your website, which I will, and and and, and look at your shop, what would be some of the first things I would want to say, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get healthy. I'm trying to do the right thing. Um, what would be some of the first things I might want to take a look at? I know vitamin C would be definitely one. Yeah. Okay. And so, like, we don't just sell vitamin C. The, the blends I sell, they are usually three to four different plants or mushrooms from different parts of the world that different herbalists like the African, let's say the liver pill. Mm -hmm. So the liver pill is designed to speed up the processing of the liver and to protect it from damage because the liver is critical. The liver is in charge of keeping you clean and healthy as much as your immune system is. And so a lot of the things that we take in and consume nowadays are toxins either they're mm-hmm. toxins as is or like let's let's go to ethanol for a second alcohol sorry chemist mm-hmm. <laughs> when you drink alcohol your liver breaks it down one of the steps it breaks it into is formaldehyde the embalming fluid wow but it does it really quick it breaks into that and then instantly breaks it into another thing when your liver is up and working hard and running hard if your liver is damaged or just sluggish or fatty or things like that then that formaldehyde doesn't get broken down immediately. It hangs out for a while and starts damaging your liver. So like cirrhosis Mm. of the liver. Mm. Okay. So the more quickly your liver is acting, the better off you're going to be generally, because it's going to help keep you healthy and toxin free. Mm -hmm. So with the liver pill, we have the burdock root, which is from Asia. And it's been shown to be a stimulator of the liver. It increases the production of liver enzymes that are used to break down stuff and get rid of toxins. Mm-hmm. Cool. There is milk thistle, which is the first recorded instances, incidences of it is from the Mediterranean area. Mm-hmm. If you eat a poisonous mushroom, Oof. it is attacking your liver. 
the yeah. one medication they have to try and keep you from dying until they can get your liver transplant is from the milk thistle. There's compounds in the milk thistle that have shown to rebuild damaged liver cells. The, the liver, it is so critical. I'm going sideways here, but I'm excited about the liver. <laughs> when you do a liver transplant in someone, you take just part of the healthy liver from someone and put it in there, and it basically regrows itself to be a fully functioning liver. It's wow. one of the few organs that can actually, it can't completely replace itself from a little bit, uh -huh. but it, it, it regenerates itself because it's so vital to your health. Uh -huh. And so the milk thistle has been shown to help protect the cells. It's a, hept or a yeah, heptoprotective. It protects the liver cells from damage. So you speed up the liver with the burdock root mm -hmm. from Asia. You protect the liver cells with the milk thistle from Mediterranean. And then there's flaxseed oil. Flaxseed is from Europe. The whole ground of flaxseed that also has different, uh, the fatty lipids that your, your liver needs to do these chemical reactions. Think of them as reagents in a reaction, but they also increase the bioavailability of the burdock root and the milk thistle. But going back to taking four or five compounds or three or four from all over the world, going back to us evolving, mm -hmm. this, this is going to take a little while, but bear with me. Have you heard of the Greek diet? No, I have not. Okay. So the Greek diet, they found that there's a bunch of people in Greece that lived to 110 years old. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was due to the diet they were eating high in uh, uh, fr uh, fruits and vegetables and olives and seafood and things like that, not processed foods, not bad foods. Mm -hmm. And so it worked really well for keeping their body running for a hundred plus years. And so they said, yeah, everyone should do the Greek diet. Well, they learned that the Greek diet didn't give nearly the same result from someone who wasn't from Greece. Okay. And this goes back to the evolutionary part of it. So the, the Greece was a very small country, not a lot of going out. Or they'd go out, but they'd come back. Long story short, they, there wasn't a lot of genetic blending amongst the Greece, the, mm -hmm. the Grecians. And so they were very tuned in to this diet and other things didn't work as well with them. Mm -hmm. Fast forward now 400 years in the future, modern times, basically. We've been blending from all over the world now, you know, the yeah. globalization. And again, it sounds like I'm going sideways, but I have a point with this. If you go down to okay. Brazil, Brazil have what they call the pardo. It's a, a classification of people. Brazilians have the most international genetic diversity in the world. Okay. They have the Asians, they have the South Americans, they have the North Americans, they have the uh, Africans, they have everyone, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the Finnish people are in there. They're all blended together. What's really interesting about that is if you look at these Pardo and compare them, their features to the reconstructed skulls from 40,000 years ago, when we were first leaving Africa, mm -hmm. they're very similar mm. because when we left Africa and then spread out and isolated and we're eating our own foods there and develop the different facial and skin colors and all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. But now when you start mashing everyone back together again, we go back to looking like the early humans coming out of Africa. Mm. So anyway, where I'm going with this is because now of all this globalization, 
it really does work better. If you want something that works for every customer, mm-hmm. you want to have something from multiple parts of the world that is particularly tuned into what their genetic code probably likes. Mm-hmm. And then going to the science side, of course, everything has the scientists. I look at the doses that science has said, this is what you need for the average 160, 165 pound American. Um, Dose-wise, weight-wise, 165, Mm -hmm. yeah, 165 pound. Uh, And so that's how I figure out how much of each plant or mushroom should be in there. It's what science Mm -hmm. says that person needs. Now, if you're 50 pounds heavier or 50 pounds lighter, add a pill, take a pill away. But otherwise, you should be getting the dose you need. But yeah, it's the evolutionary basis taking from different parts of the world to match modern man, because we are starting to you know, re-blend and mm-hmm. go back to where we were. So it even mm-hmm. makes more sense to go back to our foods and medicines that you know, we evolved with all this time. Mm-hmm. So I really I, went off. <laughs> no, I, I get what you were saying. I mean, yeah. I, I heard you mention some of that in another interview. And um, and what I gather from that is that uh, that, you know, what may work. And if you are from one place, you know, I've, I'm, I've been born and raised in, you know, I'm from North Carolina. And one issue that I have that now that I live in Virginia is my sinuses just go crazy on me because of my, my I'm, I'm not used to mm-hmm. the air quality of Virginia, you know, then. And when I go back to North Carolina, my sinuses are nowhere near as jacked up as they are when I'm here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, I was born and raised in the boonies of <laughs> North yeah. Carolina. And you're adjusted to the microbes in the pollen your immune system knows okay this is not a problem mm-hmm. this is what it's supposed to be but then when you go right. elsewhere it's like wait a minute invaders must right. destroy exactly exactly yeah. so i can see how that can be when you're choosing your vitamins and you're choosing your herbs i can see that you really have to look at okay you know this is being shipped to maybe somebody who's you know in the east coast of united states you know that may not be the same remedy for the person and if I'm shipping it to someone who's in the Mediterranean, right. you know, so, so that, that, that's important. And you also seem to be implying as well that your products sort of have to really look at, okay, we want to incorporate different um, ingredients from different parts of the world because that makes the product even more make it better and why does more universal more universal okay so it makes it more universal yeah okay because everything's going to work but some of those things are going to work better than others in the people Mm -hmm. and so those things that are working really good are going to cause a really good result and those things that are just kind of working pretty good are still going to have an effect but not as Mm -hmm. good but it it overall it improves the likelihood of it helping Like Mm -hmm. even with prescription drugs, you know, there are people that don't respond to them or respond to them completely opposite. Benadryl Mm -hmm. is a thing. In 10% of the population, Benadryl is a stimulant. It makes Mm -hmm. them hyperactive instead of putting them to sleep. Different Mm -hmm. genetics. Mm -hmm. I wish that was the case for me. If I took a Benadryl, I'd be passed out right Uh, now. You know, but I live on Clarenton <laughs> for, my allergy, for my yeah. for my allergy. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel sorry for me too. Yeah. You know, so uh, so I, so I want to just um, want to um, ask you, how do people reach out to you? They want to learn more about your classes, your products, um, and definitely, you know, to me, 
um, taking advantage of someone walking me through. Because um, one thing I'm so terrified of, when I go, I walk in the forest and, you know, I, mean, I know not to eat those mushrooms. Okay. <laughs> I know better. But, you know, I have read stories of people who walk in the forest like, oh, there's a mushroom. I yeah. love mushrooms. <laughs> and now they're on, you know, they're on dialysis, you know, are, you know, waiting for a liver now because, and, and the whole family, because the whole family took mm-hmm. a and able to walk. So someone there to say, this is why this is a poisonous mushroom, you know, yeah. I think is, is amazing to me, someone who's there to point that out. There's a few of us around, but yeah, the goal is to, so with plants, I tell people, you need to match at least five structural features of the plant versus whatever book on edible plants you're using or medicinal plants. And then these are different structural features you can use. And one of the things all us foraging authors talk about behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. we've all kind of focused on like the arrangement of the leaf, the shape of the leaf, the vein pattern of the leaf, the flower, some of the structures there, but once you know how to identify these specific parts of the plant, it applies to any book you pick up. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense there. Now with mushrooms, you have to uh, match up eight to 10 structural features. Mm-hmm. And most people are shocked that there are 10 structural features on a mushroom. Yeah, there's probably 20 or 30 once you start getting into it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once you got 10 of them matched versus a thing, you're pretty, conv- you know, you can be pretty sure what you think you have is what it is mm-hmm. so but yeah building the confidence and teaching people how to properly identify things is a big part of the class okay i will say uh for years people would say well what about these plant apps that you know you take a picture of the plant and it tells you what it is mm. and for a long time they were terrible yeah but about every six months i download them and test them out and give them a try and see how good they are and i will say this last time i did that um, I still wouldn't use it as 100% proof, but it mm-hmm. was at least getting you close to the plant. Like, you know, there's plant families. There's lots of the, a species is an individual thing, like homo, homo sapiens, but primates that include a bunch of different, you know, the monkeys and the chimpanzees and the orangutans and the bonobos and all that. Mm-hmm. These apps now are at least getting you into the family. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can look in your, you know, say, Idiot's guide foraging. And, uh, you know, look up, okay, these family is a plant. What structural features did Mark say you need this particular mustard has to have to make it edible? Mm-hmm. And then, hey, it, it matches this and this and this and this and this. That's five. You're good to go then. Okay. So use the, use the apps now to get you in the ballpark and then use the books to zero in or the mm-hmm. website or, you know, things like that. And, and so. inside your book, do you name some apps that will be good apps or? So this was written in uh, 2016 and all the apps have changed. So I did. <laughs> okay. But there, none of these apps are still around. Are still around. Okay. Yeah. Well, I... Well, maybe you might can give a little uh, 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 appendix or something on your website. Yeah. And, yeah. and I do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, well, yeah. Actually, know, I, I need to update it again now that I, yeah. yeah. It's a good reminder. Thank you. So I would definitely leave links in the show description of, uh, you know, I have several already ready to go, but um, also I would like you to send me some, uh, some definitely some links I can put in the show description of how can people um, sign up for your workshops. Sure. Um, I think I would love to, you know, take a trip 
um, and definitely I'll be in Georgia actually uh, soon. <laughs> okay. Uh, early November. Early November. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. November second, third, fourth at the Georgia Bushcrafters meetup. It's basically all the people that have been on a loan and all the people that want to be on a loan and naked and mm-hmm. afraid. And uh, we teach people the skills they need for that sort of thing. So it's not oh. just edible and medicinal plants. It's also flint napping and making natural cordage and tanning leather. All those cave many type skills that uh-huh. that cave manosity. Yes. <laughs> I love that word. So, uh, so, so we'll definitely put that in the show descriptions. And there's anything else you wanted to add before we go? No, just, uh, you know, think about it. Think about mm-hmm. where we came from, how we got to where we are. And you'll start mm-hmm. to realize it makes sense that uh, a lot of what we're doing right now is probably not the right thing for mm-hmm. what our bodies need to be healthy physically, mentally, and even spiritually. Is one of the last mm-hmm. things about the, the cavemen is they had their tribe. They were mm-hmm. deeply connected with others. And there's been a lot of research on that, that showing people that belong to even a bowling club or you know just something are healthier because they are in a better place psychologically because they're getting that daily interaction. And that's another mm-hmm. thing with the whole COVID shutdown and all this stuff mm-hmm. that was so hard on people. The the mental health issues just went skyrocketing because yeah. people were separated. Mm-hmm. So get outside, find a tribe. Those are mm-hmm. the, two, the two advices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 